0: I almost died and realized none of this matters. None of the important things were really important. All that matters is to experience life. That quote comes from today's Your Shining Self guest, Lady Raven. Be sure to tune into the episode to find out all about her near-death experience and what it taught her. Also, head on over to ShiningSelf.com forward slash 51 to find a full transcript and show notes for today's episode.
1: You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love and transformation. And now your host, Tish.
0: Today's guest is a doer in life. She does things that others can't or won't. A true original, she believes that happiness is our natural state of being and guides others to manifesting their own dreams. I'm excited to introduce you to Lady Raven. Today's guest is a doer in life. She does things that others can't or won't. A true original, she believes that happiness is our natural state of being and guides others to manifesting their own dreams. I'm excited to introduce you to Lady Raven. Hi, Lady Raven. Hello, Tisha. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. I'm so excited to have you.
1: Oh, you're one of my favorite people in the world. Of course, I'm going to join you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lady Raven and I have actually known each other personally offline for, oh my god. Gosh, I don't even know how long it's been now. About seven years. Has it been that long? It has. <laughs> Holy <laughs> Toledo. All right. So we are going to talk about something kind of serious today. So Lady Raven, will you share with my listener, you almost died. I did.
1: I did. It was the best experience of my life too. <laughs> which uh, people think is a crazy thing um, about almost dying. But um, I did. I was one of the people that was fortunate enough to have a a near-death experience. Um, It was not, I didn't see like the light and go through a tunnel and that type of thing. Mine was a very different experience from many. Basically what happened is I, um, at the age of almost 40, um, decided to become a surrogate mother and help a friend out. And I carried her twins and the babies were born premature, um, which was very surprising to all of us, but they were okay. Just, I like to let everybody know the babies were little bitty, but they were a hundred percent perfect otherwise. Um, and, uh, and they, you know, they're now they're toddlers and, you know, just, just having a grand old time and their mother and father just adored them to pieces. But um, when this occurred, um, there was actually some significant issues with me that, that nobody caught um, I, um, I suffered from a condition called placenta accreta, um, which for, for now men, please tune out for a couple of minutes here and, and women, you you'll get this, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, basically what happened is when the second baby attached to the lining of the uterus, um, he didn't actually attach to it. He went through the uterus itself. Um, and in America, um, there is a 4% maternal fatality rate when this occurs. And the um, course of action is that they, uh, they, they, they do a cesarean as soon as the, ba- the baby is viable and they do an immediate hysterectomy, there is no coming back from it. <laughs> um, but the problem was he managed to do this in the curve of the tippy top of the uterus. And despite the fact that we had lots and lots and lots of ultrasounds, nobody noticed. And I did not have a cesarean. Um, So they sent me home after the birth. And um, first, I ran a big fever and I came to the ER, and and they're like, yeah, no, um, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, if your fever gets to 109, come back. Um, So they sent me home with 100 and almost 106 fever. Um, And then uh, the second time, there was fluid building up in my lungs. and, And all of this is occurring over a two week span. Um, There was fluid in my lungs and um, they they kept me there for a couple of days and they they drained all the fluid, um, did a bunch of tests, um, didn't find anything, sent me home. Um, The third time I I started to uh, hemorrhage a bit and I came in um, and they kept me there for a few hours, gave me some drugs um, to make me hemorrhage more (laughs) and sent me home. And I remember the crazy thing was they were putting me from the ER. They were putting me into to the, the car. They, they sent a nurse out or a candy striper out um, to uh, to do this. And she had this list. And she goes, okay, so if you have a fever of 104 or more, or you are hemorrhaging, you know, this quantity. And she went through a couple of other things. She goes, you're supposed to come right back to the hospital. And I looked at her and I said, you do realize every single one of those
0: I'm doing right now.
1: And I remember she just kind of looked at me. And she went, he. And she closed the door and left. Oh
0: my and gosh! I
1: was, I was so like flabbergasted. Like I don't know. I know something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you something's wrong with my body. And uh, so I went home, and um, I they had given me some medication because they, they they figured that the only thing that made sense was that there was some placenta still stuck up in there, and it needed to dislodge. That that's what was causing the fevers. That that's what was causing the the fluid buildup. That you know, and and all of the the, 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 just the general icky feeling. And um, so they gave me this, this medication um, and my mother had um, she was concerned. So she was staying with us. Um, and I remember that night right before I went to bed, I, I looked at my boyfriend and I said, now, um I, I don't feel that any of this is right. And I'm going to go to bed and I want you to pay attention to my behavior. I, I need you. If I'm acting weird, just add a character. I need you to physically look to see if I'm hemorrhaging because I don't know that I'll have enough cognizance to tell you. And he's like, oh, all right, whatever, whatever. So um, I take the, the the medicine, everybody goes to bed. About 1:30 in the morning, I wake up in the most pain I've ever been in. And I remember thinking they had given me some of the, um, the, the Oxycontin. I had taken that um, because I was in so much pain Uh, and I knew that I wasn't allowed to take another one because it had only been a few hours. So I was allowed to take Advil. Um, So I I needed to get the Advil, but I couldn't get to it. (laughs) I mean, the, the, the concept the thought of me getting to it was just unbelievably difficult. So, and, and, and it was only an arm's reach away. It was on my bedside table. So I, I started talking and I woke up my boyfriend. I'm like, is there any way you can get this Advil for me? I, I just can't do it. And he's grogging. He wakes up and he's like, Oh, okay. Okay. So he walks over to, to my side of the bed and hands me my water and hands me the Advil. And I take it. And then it dawns on him that that was a very odd thing for me to do. <laughs> um, and, and so he, he, uh, he, he moved the blanket away from me and in another minute or two, that blood would reached him. Um I uh we made it to the hospital. Uh, I actually I had to call an ambulance, the first time I've ever been on an ambulance in my life. Um, and they got me to the ER and um it took eight blood transfusions. Um, oh my gosh. So we were, and I don't know if you've ever had uh, an emergency where you need a blood transfusion. It takes forever to get that blood. I I just remember knowing that they were in the process and thinking, why is this taking so long? But there were so many checks and balances and things that had to be done before I, I was able to receive that blood. And um, we're in the the, the, the ER. My, my boyfriend, who is terrified of hospitals, is kind of back in the corner. My mother is frantic right next to me. And I can hear things going on. I'm, I'm cognizant of everything in the room. And the nurse is saying, yes, blood pressure is 60 over 30. Um, my mom used to be a nurse, so I I knew that this was probably affecting her more than it was my, you know, the, the information part more than me and more than definitely more than my partner. Um, but, uh, I could tell she was starting to panic and I I frankly didn't care. (laughs) Um, and so all of this is going on, even the most pain I've ever been in my entire life. And all of a sudden, I, I guess I can say that I, I came out of my body. And I was completely aware of everything that was happening, but I was suddenly in this place where, it, and, and I've described it as a hallway. And in that hallway, there were three rooms. And in one room, all of the pain I was feeling was locked behind a door. And there were two more doors available to me. And those doors were stay or go. And I remember understanding so clearly that there were no consequences to either choice. There was not the right choice and the wrong choice. There was not that this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. It was simply a choice. What do you want? We can do either one. It's up to you. And (laughs) I, I remember that I didn't think about the fact that my mother, my distraught mother and my boyfriend were right there in the room with me and what their lives would be like if I if I died. I didn't think about my children. (laughs) Um, The thought that came to my head was my my child that was living with me at home had just moved out like days before all of this started. And the thought that went through my head is I have waited 40 years to be able to do the things in life that I want to do just for me. And I'll be damned if I'm going to leave now. and and the second I made that that choice um the rooms disappeared all of the pain came back my second thought was ah I really should have lingered there for a while (laughs) and and then I was brought back to reality and and while it was all going on I'm trying to tell my mom I'm like mom mom there are these rooms and she's like stay in this room I'm like no you don't understand there are these rooms she goes I know about the rooms stay in this one (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, uh, it ended up that they, um, the doctor came in after the, they were, they were putting blood in, it was coming out just as fast as they were putting it in. And the next day they, um, went in and did an, an exploratory emergency surgery and, um, they ended up, um, you know, doing an emergency hysterectomy, struck me and, and I was okay after that. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. It's, you know, it's crazy lady Raven, because you and I have been friends. So, I knew all of this was happening, you know, when it was happening. Cause our other friend, Kelly was keeping me updated on what was going on, but I don't know that I have ever actually heard you tell the story of what happened. So as you're talking, I'm just like sitting here and I'm like getting all teared up and at <laughs> goosebumps, like, holy crap. That, I, I mean, my head is just going in like a thousand different directions and before we talk some more about this, I just want to back up for a second mm-hmm. and, um, you know, have you share something a little bit with the listeners. This was not the first time you had been a surrogate no. person, correct?
1: Correct, correct. I, I had actually done it six times. I've given birth to 11 children, two of them were mine, and um, the other nine, three sets of twins and three singletons were for other people that. Um, we're unable to do that. I, I helped. Um, I helped couples, but more than anything, I helped those women, those mothers, um, be able to to hold their babies in their arms. Um, and it was something that they just couldn't do on their own. So, um, it is a a a. a, a, a subject, a a place, uh, something that I've been quite involved with for, for quite some time. And I knew that this was the last time I was going to do it. I'm just because my age was getting up there. Um, but it, it was something that, that I felt passionately about for a very long
0: time. And that's one of the things that I love about you is that you were just, and I'm going to say the word disconnected, but we've had a conversation before that that is actually what allowed you to be a surrogate is because you were disconnected from like that baby that you were carrying versus I wouldn't be able to do it because you know right. I have a son. And just the thought of like, oh, my gosh, I would love to help somebody do that. I could not imagine I could not disconnect myself from the fact that that would not be my child. Right. And, and that's how the majority of people
1: feel. Um, I have, a, am not an attached person. I don't get attached to, um, to, 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 to just to things in general. Um, I I'm very able to, to keep those things separate in, in my mind. Um, I love deeply when I do, but, um, it, 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 it is something that I have to make a choice to do. And so I knew for me, um, those babies that I carried, um, I kind of liken it to driving somebody else's Lamborghini. Like I know how to drive, but I'm going to be extra, extra careful (laughs) with somebody else's treasure. Yeah. Um, and, and I knew that, that this wasn't mine. This was a finite time that I was going to be affecting, um, these lives. And, um, And it felt like a really long babysitting project. Um, And I've always been very, very happy when mom comes to pick up the babies. (laughs) Like, yes, thank you.
0: (laughs) And the reason that I wanted to backtrack and ask that Lady Raven is because I didn't want our listener to be like, oh, my gosh, that's the first time, you know, she decided to be a surrogate. And this is what happened.
1: Right. And it's, you know, it's always a risk. Um, I've counseled people that have gotten into surrogacy before, and I've always told them it's super, super important. If you're considering this, that you are completely done having your own family, not just because of the feelings that you mentioned. A lot of times, if, if somebody is still in the process of creating their family, they might feel more attached to that baby than they would have otherwise, but because anything can happen, you know, I will never be able to carry another child. And that's, you know, it, it's an annoyance, kind of, I guess it's not even, um, it, it doesn't really matter to me, um, but it would matter if I hadn't been complete having my own children. My, mine are grown now. So, you know, I that that's a door that's been very closed for me for a very long time, but it would have been devastating if it hadn't been.
0: Yes. Okay. So Lady Raven, now that we completely backtracked, let's move <laughs> back to after you go through this near-death experience and- Um, you know, you're sent home. What is, like, what's going on in your head and, like, around you? Like, what are you, what are you experiencing and thinking and feeling? Well, you know, I tell you,
1: um, I have spent a lot of time in my life um, spiraling. Um, You know, I'll I'll, I'll get to a, a, a circumstance in my life that, that um, I feel I don't have very much control over. So I put a lot of attention, a lot of thought, a lot of anxiety around it. Uh, For example, um, um, income, I, um, I, I'm a business owner, and um, I've always done decent with my business up until that point in time. But anytime that that, that sales slowed down or any time that I wasn't sure where the money was going to come from, I would worry and, and, and hyper-focus and um, just have this, this, this real cloud above me. And it always worked out in the end, despite my efforts to derail it with my feelings. <laughs> um, but but it was exhausting. And I remember when I was there in that hallway, looking at those doors, looking at those rooms, I, I had this great sense of none of this matters. Like the, and it had something to do with, with that, that decision that was being presented to me that, and there was no consequences to it. There was nothing wrong I could do. And, and, and that, that moment that that realization came to me, I realized that there's nothing wrong I can do in life. You know, so what if my business didn't work? I figure something out. So what if I I wasn't sure how I was going to make ends meet? They always have None of it matters. And, um, so I really, I I was able to, to, to just touch that idea and it has had such an amazing um, result in my life. I mean, now I don't, I don't worry about those types of things. I, I, and I won't, I won't lie to you, Tisha. Um, there were certainly times between that experience and today that I started to go down that path that's I call it spinning when I'd spin and, and worry about it. Um, but I would I would have the awareness and I'd recognize that I was doing it so much quicker (laughs) than before the experience. And I was able to bring myself out of it. Like, oh yeah, this is just that old habit we had. Um, we can stop doing this now. (laughs) So I, I did touch it a few times, but every time I touched it, it was, it was less and less stress, less and less anxiety. And my money kept going up and up and up. So you know, I I just have this 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 new lease on life where I don't postpone things. If I want to go on a trip, um, and, and or commit to something big. Right now, I'm I'm uh I'm I'm exploring permaculture and I have chickens and rabbits and I'm gonna get a cow and I've got gardens everywhere and we're planting for the fall and um I, I planted am a food forest and I'm doing all of this now instead of saying you know someday I might do that. Someday I'm yes. going to do that. Someday I'll have the money for that. I've just been jumping in and doing the things and it's all working out. It all figures itself out in the end. And I've been having a fabulous adventure since.
0: And I love that you share that Lady Raven, because I mean, I can speak from personal experience. There has been so many things that I have wanted to do and I'm not even just talking like, say like a business trip or a, you know, a big vacation. And I'm like, oh, I can't afford that. So I don't do it. I'm even talking like little things like one day, just this urge to like go buy bubbles and go to the park and (laughs) blow them like came over me. And I was like, no, you know, I've got work. I have to finish. I need to walk the dog. So I didn't go do it. And so I love that you shared that because, you know, from your experience, you've learned that all that matters now is experiencing life and doing those things.
1: That's what we're here for. I mean, that is literally the only thing that we're here for is, is to, is to experience life in a different way, you know, and, 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 and our, my goal in life is to wake up every day and to be a better version of me, whatever that looks like. And 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 to just enjoy how that shows up. And don't get me wrong, there there, there are still days that that we have hardships. There are still days that unexpected and unpleasant and uncomfortable things happen. But it, it gives me a new way to look at those things as this is just part of that experience and how I choose to handle it, how I choose to look at it is what makes a difference.
0: Yes, I love that. So now I kind of want to circle back around to, you know, the near-death experience and everything that's going on with that. So as you're back in the hospital and they're doing, doing surgery to, um, you know, fix that complication, something else happens. Would yes. you share with my listener what happens?
1: So um, going back to me having been a surrogate six times, um, you, you know, when I've shared that with people, especially strangers uh, and even friends, I would always get comments like, oh, you're so wonderful. How compassionate you are. What a great thing to give to people. And, and to be honest, sometimes that made me feel uncomfortable um, because, you know like we explained before i did have that detachment i was able to separate myself from the situation to a certain extent and in my opinion i wasn't the amazing one i was just somebody who could have babies it was that mother that had put everything on the line to 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 allow somebody else to carry the the most important thing in their life and to have to trust somebody else that that was a miracle to me that was where the miracle was i was just somebody that was good at being pregnant so I, I always felt uncomfortable with the compassion, right? That you're so compassionate. What a compassionate person you are. I, I felt, it was an ick to me, to be honest. Um, I, I don't know that I ever truly understood what that word meant. And um, throughout that pregnancy, um, I, I, was at, I was visiting, I don't know if it, women, mothers out there, if you've been to a OBGYN, um, a practice that has more than one doctor. Yes. And um, so you have your doctor. Right. And if everything goes well, that's the doctor that's going to deliver your baby. Um, And then you have the other doctor or doctors in the practice that might deliver, um, depending on how it all shakes out. Well, I loved my doctor. Love, 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 loved her. And she had a new partner that year. And to be honest, I didn't care for her. Um, I, I, I think we just rubbed, I, she rubbed me a wrong way. She made some sort of a comment and, and my hormonal pregnancy brain took it a, to a degree that didn't really exist. <laughs> and I decided I didn't like this woman. And um, so when it came down to this exploratory surgery, Guess which doctor it was going to be that did it? <laughs> of course, <laughs> it was going to be the one. My my doctor did the delivery, Um, but it was the the doctor I was not fond of that that was doing the the surgery. And I mean, at that point, I really didn't care. I was out of it anyway. Um, But she explained to me before she went in that you know they were going to go in see what was going on. There was a higher than than normal chance they'd have to do a hysterectomy, and and to prepare me for all that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, let's get it on, and. The hysterectomy went well, um, but as as she was removing that organ from my body, um, the clamps that she had used to kind of keep the body open, I mean, this is very gory, I apologize, um, slid, and she severed one of the ureters, which is the tube that connects the kidney to the bladder. Um, She Immediately realized what the problem was, and um, you know, and what had happened. And she called um, the urologist, and they went up and did a second emergency su- surgery on me to reconnect it. And so that that does have some minor complications in life. Um, it, they they there's apparently there's this overflow valve that when you have to go potty um, and and uh, and it comes out from your kidneys and goes into your bladder. There's a valve so it doesn't go backwards. And because of this type of surgery and this, this type of accident, they couldn't put it back. So what that means is that I have to be in the habit of, of going to the restroom every time my bladder feels anyway full, um, because over time it can creep back up and I could I could get sepsis. I could die from that, um, And which sounds really dramatic in, in actuality and in practicality. It's it's just an annoyance. It's just a, a little bit extra that I have to do. Right. Um, and and all things considered, I am perfectly fine today, 100% healthy. Everything's great. um, Everything worked out well, but you know, when it happened, there were, I had to have a catheter for weeks. I had to, um, which that I, I tell you, my heart is so compassionate. I'm using that word right now. Um, so compassionate for people that go through long-term medical issues. I, I, I glimpsed them Glimpsed them, and I uh, the, it, it overwhelms me um, how much strength these people have. Um, so I had an opportunity to witness that briefly, but when it was all said and done, um, you know, I was back in in the hospital room. Um, my doctor, my other doctor, had come back in and and you've done some follow up um, there. I was in the hospital another I think another week or so after the surgery. Um, I had lost so much blood that they had sent in a physical therapist to help me help me walk. I mean, I, um, so I got, I had a little walker. I, I named him, uh, Christopher Walker. And, um, <laughs> and the first time I was able to stand up and start to move around, he took me into the hallway and, um, you know, I was walking up and down the hallway and, you know, after you deliver a baby, um, and there's complications, then you come back to the ER. You don't go back to the maternity ward, right? You go to the regular hospital. And so I was in the, um, the regular hospital and I could hear, there's so many noises in the hallways of a regular hospital from all of the patients in the various rooms and their families and the nurses and everything else going on. And there's, there's people that are caterwauling and there's people that are yelling and screaming. There's, there's lots of activity. And I remember walking through that, that hospital and that corridor and hearing the stuff and seeing the going ons and, and just struggling my, my little, my little Christopher Walker. And I suddenly had this realization that none of it mattered that I got to go home in a few days and and leave this part of my life behind. And there were so many people in that hallway that never would, that this this was the end for them. And it suddenly made me realize that my complications, my problems were nothing. And I came back to that room. I had been a, a few days since the surgery. I hadn't seen my other doctor, the one that done the surgery. And she came in that day for the first time. And I just, when I saw her, my heart just opened up and I had all of this love pour out for her because I felt like how, how must she feel that this happened? You know, she caused this to happen. It was a mistake. It wasn't a malpractice thing. It was an honest to goodness. Oh crap. I just screwed up mistake. And my mind went to, how would I feel if I had done that? I would have felt horrible beyond belief that I had caused something like this to happen to somebody. And on the off chance that she felt the same way, <laughs> I, I just took her hand and I, I pulled her down to my bed to sit next to me. And I just, I grabbed her hand. I said, I just want to let you know that I forgive you. I, I know it was an accident and it sucks. I'm not going to lie. This is not what I expected, but in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. And I I just want to let you know, it's okay. And you're a good doctor because she really, really was a good doctor. All those things that I had been annoyed with, um, through our, our, my pregnancy that I, when I visited with her, they were things like, um, you you're close to the, the gestational diabetes cutoff. Let's make you do the four hour test. And I grumble because I knew I wasn't going to have gestational diabetes. Why did I have to go do stupid, stupid tests? You know, I knew my body and all of this stuff going on. But in the end, she was the only one that at any point in the process thought, you know what, let's make sure that we're doing the extra due diligence, because this is a woman who has had 11 children. Let's make sure we're on the, the proactive instead of the reactive front. She was just doing her job and I was the one taking offense to it. Right. And um she cried and I cried and, and we had a good hug and I felt such peace uh, when that wrapped up. And the next day, my, my, my favorite doctor um, came by and she said, I want to let you know that what you did for her with that conversation was, was just so wonderful. She says, after it happened, because this happened right over Christmas, um, this happened on Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, Eve. Um, and um, my doctor had had the holiday, week off. That was, you know, it was her year to have it off. And um, when this happened, she locked herself in a bathroom and she called the other doctor from her cell phone and said, I can't function. I can't leave this room. I need you to come in on the holiday. I need you to take care of my rounds. I can't do it. And she, she had never ever in her career done something, made such a mistake before. I guarantee she never will again. (laughs) Um, But she was so distraught so upset, so questioning her own abilities and who she is. You know, she, she said to me when we were on that bed, she says, you know, as a, as, a, as a doctor, as a woman, and as a person of color, there is so much pressure on me to put this face on that says, I am confident. I know what I'm doing and to keep distance. She says, sometimes I just want to be a person. And 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 to to know that it's okay to be human and to make a mistake, and 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 I I finally understood what compassion was, and I, I I've never not felt compassion for everybody that I meet in life, whether, you know, whether it's somebody who's. You know, I look at things when people are having a bad day and, and it just happens to spill out onto me, you know, a parking spot gone wrong or you know, <laughs> just silly stuff. I always remember, first and foremost, this has nothing to do with me. And gosh, what must they be experiencing? Um, so so, yeah, that was my my big lesson. And, and I, I wouldn't change anything for the world. I wouldn't change any part of it because I think I gained so much more than I lost that day.
0: Thank you for sharing all that Lady Raven. And I mean, how powerful was that moment of you just telling her, I forgive you because you could have easily chosen the attitude to be pissed. And like, I mean, hello, there probably could have been, you could maybe have sued or something over all that. So, oh man, it's just, I hear that. And it's just like, Wow! Like what? I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I don't know. No.
1: Well, that's just the thing. Is that every day in every moment of our lives we have a choice. We can uh, make up that things are happening to us in life or for us in life. And 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 the way that I feel is I could have taken the 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 the, the response that. Um, oh my gosh, my life sucks right now. Here I was trying to do something nice for somebody. Now I got this permanent condition to deal with, and this 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 is the most horrible thing that's ever happened to me. And of course, it was that that doctor that I hated. Look, she did this to me on purpose. I could have made all that up. I could have totally like like lived that as my life from that moment on. But the thought of that is just ridiculous, <laughs> you know. In, instead, I look at it as a gift. I I had put out to the universe that. I don't know what compassion feels like. I would love to know what what this thing that all of these strangers are accusing me of having. I want to know what that's like. And I received it in a way that I didn't expect, um, but in a way that I fully, 100% to my toes, comprehend now and forever what that feels like. I understand. And that understanding was a gift. So in my mind, life is happening for me not to me.
0: Yes. I love, oh my gosh, Lady Raven. Thank you so much for sharing all this. Your story is so powerful in not even in the aspect that you almost died. (laughs) It's just from everything that has come out of that and how you view life and stuff now, like your story is just so powerful. And I want to ask as we're, you know, wrapping things up, what is something you want to leave the listener today? Like one or two pieces of advice, um, like a golden nugget, something. What do you want to leave the listener with today?
1: Um, I would just say, go be you and, and do the things now that that are that you've always wanted to do. Take baby steps towards those goals, towards even if it's, you know, I've always wanted to do this thing. I don't even know where to start. Well, go get a book on it doesn't have to be massive right just take steps towards living those dreams and and they're going to happen and and none of this matters you can't get it wrong there is nothing in this life that you can do that will
0: ever be wrong yes and for you listening lady raven is so amazing and i'm not just saying that because she is a friend um, she really truly is just an amazing human being. So I highly recommend that you know you check her out and connect with her. So, Lady Raven, um, if somebody's listening and they want to connect with you, where can they find you? Um,
1: my site is abundability.com. And um, that's like the, the combination of the word abundance and ability, um, exactly how you think it's spelled. <laughs> and, and you can find me there.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Lady Raven. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Tish. That's
1: a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment and share with others that need a message of hope, love and transformation.